According to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15, that believers are to make a defense for the hope that you have. Also Philippians chapter 1 verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. We are commanded to defend the word of God, the context of the word of God, and the purity of the word of God. This is the Defender of the Word of God. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends. We are on another broadcast of the Defender. Today's date is February the 10th, 2019. And we're here on this Sunday. Just so glad that you could be a part of our broadcast today. We want to thank you for journeying with us all this while. Those of you who've been joining in week after week, listening to our broadcast. We are extremely uh, ecstatic and excited about having you all on this journey with us. It's been so phenomenal this far, and we just really want to thank you. You could be doing anything with your time, but you chose to come in and to sit with us and to allow the Word of God to do something new in your spirit. So we are really, really praying that tonight's broadcast Today's broadcast for some of you is going to be enlightening, going to be empowering. And I think it's a question that many of us deal with all the time uh, when it comes to things related to the kingdom of God, to our purpose or what we're supposed to be doing in life. And so I know many of you have heard it before. You probably have said it before because, you know, we're just trying to figure our way you know, through this thing. We're trying to find out what we need to do in order to be successful and how we're going to parallel our life with the things that God really wants us to do. So once again, we want to say thank you for joining in tonight. Uh, we also want to put out there that we are on every Sunday at six o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, seven o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And also, we would love to have you to be a part of what we're doing. You can become a partner with The Defender. We have a page up that's on anchor.fm forward slash the hyphen defender. That's anchor.fm forward slash the hyphen defender. And on that page, you will be able to see all of our broadcasts. And as a matter of fact, you become a partner with us. You can join in. Yes, you can. And be a partner with us in getting this word out to all of our listening audience. We have a three tier level where you can give that. We have a level that starts at 99 cents a month. You can come aboard and help us stay on the uh, on the air and continue to have our broadcast audience to uh, broaden. And we also have a 499 level and then a 999. So there's any level you feel comfortable at. Listen, Become a part of what we're doing. We want you to be a part of James Fox Ministries on the Defender and the Resilient Christian Radio Network and to uh, allow us to keep this gospel out before people. Because listen, we want to be in places where the word of God is not being expressed. We want to get into different locations in different areas, uh, in different people's uh, places of you know, maybe areas of confinement where they're not able to listen to the word of God or where they have certain instances where they can get in. So listen, we want to get that word out there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of us. Now, as we spoke before, we're going to be dealing with the question and I want to put this out there to you as well, because I know that many of you have this question, and many of you have said it before, you think about it, and you want to know. And so tonight's broadcast is called, What is God's Will? Selah. Just pause for a second. I'm going to say it again. Tonight's broadcast is called, or the title is called, What is God's Will? Now, the question many people ask is, what is God's will? Now, I know you asked that. You're probably asking it now, uh, especially about certain things that you may be dealing with in your life. So we're going to get into this. So before we do that, can we open up with the word of prayer? Let's do that. Father, we thank you today for the Resilient Christian Radio Network. Thank you for our listening audience that they are tuning in. Now, Father, we're asking for illumination and enlightenment as we bring your counsel forward. 
so that people can get in tune to what you are speaking. So, Father, we thank you that those that hear this word, that it would do something tremendous in their life. And if they haven't committed their lives to you, if they're not saved, Father, we ask that this word will penetrate deep in their heart and they will give their life to you, none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are already on to a good start. We've asked God to come in and give us illumination and enlightenment to the question about his will. And the question is, what is God's will? Now, like we said, many people ask that question. I know I've asked that question. I, I know you have too, especially when you're dealing with certain things in your life and you don't know if you should go this way or you should go that way or if this is the right decision or if this is not the right decision. You're always asking, is it the will of God for this to happen the way that it's happening? So we know that we attribute that question. We attribute it to many things that happen in life. You hear people saying about certain things that take place. Well, it was God's will. How many of y'all have heard that? I know I've heard that. But the truth is that we must search the Bible and its contents to know the will of God. You see, we can't we can't just randomly continue to throw around that catchphrase the way we want to anytime it suits us, especially when things don't go our way. So there was a statement uh, where there is a will, there is a way. That's a cliche statement in our culture. I know you've heard that before. However, it rings so true in every capacity of human activity. Now, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, it defines will. You just look up the word will and it's saying it means us, it's to express desire, choice or consent. You see that? So will, when you're just looking at the basic terminology for the word will, it's saying it's to express desire, choice or con consent. And so from that definition, it can be stated that where there is a desire to do something, a way will be made. How many of y'all know that when you really want to do something, you're going to find a way to do it? That's an exercise of your will. So if an individual wants to do something bad enough, you know it. In most cases, they're going to make a way to make it happen. So we want to know, does that does the answer lie in how people are mentally wired? Does it have something to do with that? Or are there other prevailing conditions that contribute to the outcome? Now, the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, he quoted something. He said, uh, what does not kill me makes me stronger. That's something that he said. So in response to the stimuli, we're understanding that it's the co only controllable action a person can have. The author, uh, Viktor Frankl, in his book, uh, he put it this way. He said, the one thing you can't take away from me is the way I respond to what you do to me. Now, that's powerful. You see that? that? That's the one thing. No one, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, can take away the way you respond to something that's done to you. Why we say that? That's because it's all under control or the power of your will. So we ask in the question once again, we really want to know this thing. So uh, in the book, uh, Knowing God's Will by Living Stream Ministries, it says, what are the ways to know God's will? And it says that a Christian, a Christian now, a born again believer, a Christian must pay attention to three things in order to know God's will. If these three things are in agreement with one another, we can be quite sure that it is God's will. And these three things are, I want you to pay attention to this. Now, listen, you need your pens and your pencil. When you come on the Defender, by now, y'all know that we are all about you getting the information, writing down what you are hearing, being able to go back to study and to find out for yourself how applicable the word of God is as to how we're relating it on our broadcast. 
We want you to be empowered. We don't want to babysit anyone. We want you to be empowered so that you can live a powerful, productive life. So you need your Bible, and we're reading out the King James Version, and you need pencil and paper. You should be writing. You should always be writing because God is always speaking. So these are three things we want you to write down. And this is for those who are asking the question, well, how can I know God's will? How do I know it? I think this is really powerful. As we can see, it says uh, there are three things. Number one is the arrangements in the environment. So you ought to write that down. The arrangements in the environment. And then number two is the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the second one. The leading of the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing is the teachings of the Bible. You see that? The teachings of the Bible. So those are the three things. The arrangements in the environment, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and the teachings of the Bible, the scriptures. That's how you're going to know God's will. So it shouldn't be so much of a struggle for us the way that it is. The reasons that it is a struggle is because we're failing on one or more of those areas. So as you see tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I broadcast this call and we're talking about the will of God and the broadcast is called, well, what is God's will? What is God's will? Many people want to know that. We struggle with that day in and day out. We want to know what God's will is. So we gave you those three things that you got to have the arrangements and environment. You got to have a leading of the Holy Spirit and you must have the teachings of the Bible. That's how you're going to know. You got to have those three things working together to find out what the will of God is. So we must pay attention to our circumstances and environment. That's the number one thing, to see if where we are positioned is the right place according to God's will. You see that? I hope you got that. You got to pay attention to your circumstances and your environment. That's the only way you're going to know. Where am I positioned at? You should be asking yourself, what is my condition right now? Where am I positioned at? What's the environment? What does things look like where I am? You see, what's the arrangements in it? Am I set up somewhere where I'm seeing God's hand move? See, we got to ask ourselves that. And then the second one is about uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we must have the inner inclination to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. If you cannot be led, you will always struggle with knowing the will of God. Did you get that? I'm, I'm, I'm praying that you got that. See, this is the part. This is where the rebellious nature that's in us fights against what God's will is. And the rebellious nature, the rebellious inclination that's in man, it's in you. Yes, I don't care how saved you are. It's in you. It's in me. No matter how saved I am, it's the, the Adamic nature, the sin nature that's in man. It causes us to be rebellious and to go against the things of God. Do you see that? So we've got to be able to be led. That's the first thing. If you can't be led, you're going to always struggle with the will of God. If you can't put down the way you think things ought to go and follow the inner inclination of the Holy Spirit, you're going to always struggle with knowing the will of God. And then the number three thing, it says we must compare and contrast these two things with the scriptures in the Bible. Now, this is just me talking. The main reason I believe why we struggle so much with the will of God is that we don't read his word. Selah. Did you get that? Do you understand that? See, his will was left in written form. You see that? His will was left in written form. It's, it's the word of God. It's the Bible. As a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, that is his last will and testament. You know, when a person dies, generally they have a will drafted out about everything they want to happen once they leave the scene. 
So it's the same way with God. He did the same way in the manifestation of his son, Jesus Christ, coming to earth, demonstrating what his will was. Look at Jesus Christ and you'll know what the will of God is. Look at how he lived. Look at what he did. Look at what he said. Look at how he interacted with people. If you want to know the will of God, you have the perfect example of somebody that followed the will of God to the letter. And that's Jesus himself. He is the will of God in personification. He is. So listen, for all of you that you've been born again, you come into the family of God, you believed God and you've accepted him into your spirit. You've got to have those things and you got to have those things working together. They may not be in chronological order that way, but you have to be able to see these things working in order for you to know what the will of God is. Now, we understand something from us. Now, we are apart from God. We're human beings. We're humanity. So we're conditioned and we're brought and we're put together a certain way. Now, we are a tripart being. First Thessalonians 5 and 23 talks about that your soul it talks about your spirit, talks about your body. We've discussed that on previous broadcasts. So let's understand that part that we're talking about when we're speaking about you and me, family and friends, the human being. You have a will. Wouldn't you agree? You have a will. So you have a decision maker. That's your will. So your will comes from your soul. And inside your soul is your mind, your emotions, and your will. Did you get that? You need to understand that. Your soul is composed of your mind, your emotions, and your will. And these things make up your character and your personality. Did you get that? Those three things, they make up your character and your personality. They are inside your soul. So what's the big fuss? What's the big struggle? What's the big strife about? Well, there are two wills that are in operation. It's the will of God and the human will. You need to write that down too. There's two wills in operation. It's the will of God and the human will. So I'm going to lay out some scriptures. We're getting ready to get heavy in the scriptures. Now we said we got to know the scriptures, the Bible, what it says in order to know what the will of God is. So I'm going to be coming through some scriptures now. So get ready. The first one we're going to go to is John chapter four. I'm going to lay out a few of them real quick where we're going. Then we're going to go in John chapter five. All right. And then we're going to go in the book of Romans. We're going to go there. All right. But first of all, let's just deal with that. So in John chapter four, I'm going to go to verse 32. Now, this is Jesus. He is talking to his disciples and they are asking him about, you know, his his eating. They, they, they just did a feeding and they're talking about, you know, he's needing something. So in verse 32, I'm breaking in in, in, in the middle of this. So we always understand, though, you need to go back and get the context so you come to a right conclusion. In 32, he's saying to them, he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Verse 33 says, therefore, said the disciples one to another, has any man brought him anything to eat? So Jesus telling them, listen, I got something that you're not you're not really understanding. You don't really know this this thing that I eat on what I dine on my appetite level. What I dine on is something altogether different. Now, they're talking about natural food, but he's talking about something different. So the disciples saying, you know, has anybody brought him something to eat? You know, did you go give Jesus a plate? Did you bring him some fish? Did you bring him some some biscuits? Did you you know, did you bring him something to eat? And look at what Jesus said in verse 34. He said to them, he said, my meat. And we did discuss that before. Uh, my meat. That's the depths of God. My meat, my my purpose, my purpose, my meat is to do what the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Did you get that? So 
the Lord is saying, listen, my purpose is to do the will of him. I'm here because I am commissioned to do the will of God. I'm commissioned to do the purpose of what God sent me to do and to finish off what he began. You see that? Then verse 30 says, oh, we're going to John 5. So go to John 5, you know, the next chapter over. John 5 and verse 30. This is what he's talking. He's talking again. And he's giving him an understanding of how deep this thing is. Because, see, we always want to do stuff in our own strength and in our own will, in the way we see fit, the way things, the way we think things ought to be. But this is the way that, see, the operation of the Lord is totally contrary to what we see operating in the world system. He says in John 5, I'm going to verse 30, John chapter 5, verse 30. He says, listen, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, right? Then he says, and my judgment is just because I seek what? What does he say right there? I seek not mine own will, but the will of the father which has sent me. So that gives you clarification that there are two wills in operation, the will of God and the human will. Jesus said, I'm not here doing on my own will. I'm not here making my own determination, but I'm here to do one thing. And that's the will of the father who sent me here. Do you see that? That's, that's powerful. And so these things that we attribute to the Lord himself he also engrafted us into the very same dialogue, the very same story. So let's get some more understanding here, okay? Are y'all going? Are y'all going here with me? All right. Now, this is really good. I'm telling you, this is good because I know so many people in their life they struggle with knowing what the will of God is. They struggle with knowing. How are they supposed to be moving? How What are they supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be living? It's something that everybody has to go through. Everybody on the planet has to deal with that. Why? Because the will is powerful. The will is the choice maker. It's the decision maker. The will is where you make the decisions. It's how you know uh, what you're going to do or, or how you're going to respond in a certain thing. So I'm just going ahead. I'm going to flip through a bit more. Uh, we're going to go to book the book of Romans. I'm just going to get here real quick. In the book of Romans, I'm flipping. You hear my pages? I told y'all it's something about having a Bible in front of you. You're going to find out anything about the word of God. You have to have the word in front of you. You have to fall in love with this scripture. You have to become one with it. You got to become acquainted with it. That's the only way that you're going to know what God is saying. As we spoke before, we said, hey, how are you going to know the will of God? How are you going to know what God is speaking? You have to know it because you have to understand what he is speaking in his word. That's the only way that you're going to know what the will of God is, is you have to get in his word. So we're going to go to Romans and we're going to go to chapter seven. All right. I'm going to let you get there. Romans chapter seven. This is the part that we're talking about when we're dealing with the human will, the human will. Romans chapter seven. All right. And we're going to go to verse 18. Now, this was Paul. He was talking about the law. He was talking about uh, how, uh, you know, the laws of God and how just because God's law is so powerful, so just and so righteous, it automatically shows us where we stand. So in verse seven and 18, he's talking about this human will. Here he goes. He says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh dwell of no good thing. And here it is. It says, for to will is present with me. Now you need to understand that. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I don't do it. I do not. But the evil which I would not is that is what I do. Now, if I do that which I would not, 
it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So what is all of that saying? That's talking about the human will, because he said, for to will is present with me. So that's telling you and me, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining my, our broadcast, our broadcast tonight is titled, What is the Will of God? And we are talking about this human will that we all have to deal with. So Paul here in Romans 7, he said, listen, I want to do what's right. It's something in me that makes me want to go towards the right thing, but I don't know how to do it. Do you see that? He said, I don't know how to get there because the, the good that I, I, I want to do, I want to do it, but it's some evil that's preventing me from doing it. And so he understood that there was something in his nature. And that's what we just spoke about before. It's in everybody. I don't care how saved, sanctified you are. There is a Adamic nature that's in every body. Everybody that hits the planet Earth, saved and unsaved. There is that Adamic nature that's still in us. It's from our forefather, Adam, passed on to the human family. Do you see that? So don't don't get so twisted up about it. It's there. It's in there. But the thing about it is, is that we have the power to overcome that. We have the power to subdue that by the spirit of God. Did you get that? So you're not at a loss because the spirit man is the man that overpowers the man that lives in the soul. Did you see that? So that's why we're talking about here. Listen, there is a will where there's a will there. Yes, there is a way. But if you want to know what God's will is, you have to have the compartment set up to where his spirit can be housed in that place to give you the answers that you need when you need it. So that's what he said. He said, listen, I want to do what's right, but I don't know how. So then there is a power over your own will. There is a power over your own will. Here in this verse, I'm, in verse 37 here, I'm reading somewhere else. It says, nevertheless, he that stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will. That's, a, that's in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's talking about the power of your own will and have so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin doeth well. Now that's talking about a marriage situation uh, and about a remarriage situation, but it's talking about the power that you have over your own will. So ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, as we stated earlier, our broadcast is called What? is God's will. Many of us struggle with that question. We want to know what God's will is. So we've been dealing with the will of God. We're dealing with the human will. We have a will. And as we stated here, you got power over your will. You yourself, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, you have power over your own will. So the question remains then, well, listen, since we know these things, I hear what you're saying. Brother James, I hear what you're talking about, about the will of God and about how we got to have these things that line up so we know what the will of God is before we make a decision. We understand what we're doing. I understand that now. So how are we going to find out what the will of God is? How are we going to get there? So we laid that out. But one of the main things, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, is that the search for wisdom will tell you what the will of God is. Did you get that? So in the book of Ephesians, let's turn to Ephesians. We're going to go Ephesians chapter five, verse 17. I'm just going to read this. OK, it says, wherefore is talking is talking to uh, the people this time. It says, wherefore, be ye not unwise. So don't be unwise. Basically saying, don't be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is now. We got to take this back up a little bit because you got to always get a proper context so you get a proper conclusion. So we're in the book of Ephesians and we're going to just go, go up a little bit more. So we're in chapter five so you can know where we're coming from and what we're speaking about. So in chapter five, let's just read a little bit here so we can understand what he's saying here. 
because we're at verse 17. So let's understand this. We're going to start at verse 9. Or let's start at verse 8. It says, for we, for you was sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So it says, walk as children of light. You see that. It says, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So that should tell you and me to listen. We got to we got to prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. That takes a testing. Did you get that? That means things got to be tested in order to prove what is acceptable to the Lord. Did you get that there? That means the unfruitful works of darkness. Or what does it mean when he's talking about that? That means that darkness. Darkness is when you are absent of light. You have no light when you're living in darkness. And so we got to begin to ask ourselves, well, what are the practices that we're doing on a day-to-day basis? What are, what's consuming our time? What are we doing? What type of habits do we have? And what are those habits uh, producing? It says, don't have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. That means that you got to look at what are you attached to? See, many times we can't get the light of God because we are in darkness or we practice darkness. We practice dark things. We do things in the secret. We do things in places where God does not have an opportunity to shine his light in because we refuse to let him in that place. So it says, have no works have no uh, uh, fellowship. That means don't join yourself. When you have fellowship with something, that means you are communing with something. You're joining yourself with something. So we got to look at what are we doing? Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, you got you to really look at that in your life. I have to look at it in my life. No unfruitful, no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Reprove them. Why does it say reprove them? Reproving is a rebuking and a correction. Did you get that? If you reprove something, you're rebuking something. You're standing against it. You're standing 180 degrees against what it is. You turned around from the place of where you were. And so this is what it means. It says, for it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore, he said, awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because what? The days are evil. Then verse 17, that's where it says, he says, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. So you see that he's given us a recipe for how you can determine and ascertain what the will of God is. He said to walk circumspectly. That means check yourself, check what you're doing, check your lifestyle, check the way you are, you know, you're doing things. Many people are in darkness. Many people cannot discern. They don't know what the will of God is because their habitual practices keeps them from knowing what the will of God is. You see that. So ladies and gentlemen, this is a place that we really got to tune into what God is speaking and what he's saying. We really got to get an understanding of what he's talking about because the darkness and the light are contrary to one another. If you're in a dark room and light comes in there, then it's exposed. Everything that's in there is exposed. And that's what Christ does when he comes into you and me. You want to know the will of God? Allow him to come into the places inside you that is a cohabiting spot for darkness. Did you get that? Allow him to shine light in you in places where there's shade and shadow and darkness. And in those places, once they're illuminated, then God can begin to deal with whatever has been composed in those places. Do you see that? See, we, we've got to get real with it if we're going to understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is made so that we can understand it. OK, so let's go here. Now, we're going to go on a bit more. We understand that you're born to do the will of God. We understand that the will of God is also everlasting. You see that. We understand those things. So we've got a good understanding of that. 
So we got to go on a bit further here. We got to go on and understand that what God is speaking is truly what he's determining for you and I to do and to be. So we know that he's come or we have come in the volume of the book. We see that it's been written, that this is where we're supposed to be. So this is how you know that the will of God is being manifest in your life. If you can track it, you see that you've got to be able to track it. Remember those three things we said, the environment, the arrangements in the environment. We talked about the leading of the Holy Spirit and we talked about the word of God. You have to have the scriptures and you have to have those other things in order for you to find out what the will of God is. You see that. So here in verse six, we're going to go on a bit more. In verse six, we're just going to start there. I'm just going to read. You can catch up with me, okay? Verse six, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, not to wrath, but bring them up, what? In the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Then it says, service, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with our service as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God well from the heart. So we're understanding this, that the will of God has got to be done from the heart. Do you see that? But your heart has got to be converted. Did you get that? See, in order to understand and to know what the will of God is, it must come from the heart, but not your heart as it is. It's got to be a converted heart. You see that? A converted heart. That means a changed heart. And the only way that a heart can be changed is another heart has to replace it. Do you get that? So that means that the heart of God, the heart of Christ, when you accept him, his heart has to come and overshadow your heart. Do you see that? That means that the things that are in his heart begins to manifest inside of your heart. Do you get that? But you have to allow that to happen. And first thing it says here, listen, you got to honor your father and your mother. Many people don't want to do that. And these days and times you see that rampantly. Now, I know that there's some things that happen to you or me or people on the broadcast or people you may know that may have been horrendous, but we've got a hold of the principle of honor. You see that? Honoring your father and mother, those that are in the Lord with you, over you in the Lord, honoring them, obeying them. See, as they follow Christ now, let's understand that. So if you got the honor principle in place, then you will get to where you can see the full panoramic view of what the will of God is concerning your life, concerning what he wants you to know. You see that. See, these things are very key for us to do. So those are three things in there. There's the obedience, there's the honor, and then there's the service to God. So what we do, no matter where you work, if it's your own business, if it's a company or whatever it is, you've got to do it as unto the Lord. You go to work every day, you perform a task, you perform a job, you do it as unto the Lord. Yes, you have a supervisor. Yes, you have a boss. You have a CEO, all of those things. But what you're doing, you're doing it as unto the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is the CEO of your life. Did you get that? The Lord is the God of your life. So no matter where you are, See, this is why different people in the Bible, they rose up to levels of prominence and positions of authority because they understood that they committed everything to God first and foremost. You see that? Joseph was in prison. Do you see that? He was in prison. Read the story of Joseph. He was in prison, but the will of God was for him to be second in command, to be a, an administrator over an entire region, which he did. He became that person. Why? It's because he was committed to do things as unto the Lord. You see that? Even in the prison, he you couldn't stop him because he had God with him because he honored God first. So if you and I, family and friends, if we would get that in our spirit, obedience, you should be writing those down. Honor and service to God. You should have those written down. Because that's what's going to take you to the next level of understanding God's will. See, in the scripture, it says it's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, family, and friends, no matter how you got here, no matter what was your root of conception, 
You see that? I don't care what man says. I don't care what society says, how they try to tag you. Whatever way your conception came to be, the thing about it is we're dealing with spiritual spiritual realities that become physical manifestations. You see that? The spiritual reality is that you were conceived because you were a great thought in the mind of God. Because it said everything that comes from God is good and perfect. So in the original intent, you were a good thought from God. As a matter of fact, regardless of what society is telling you about you, God in his original place had created you for his good pleasure. Do you believe that? You should believe that. That's what the word of God is saying. So let's look a bit more. Here in Hebrews 10, we understand that what? You are born to do the will of God. In Hebrews 10 and 7, I go on for the sake of time. It says, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book and it's written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure it therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He take away the first that he may establish the second. So what is this saying? This is, this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying the volume of the book. Well, that's the whole Bible. That's the Old and New Testament. New Testament uh, is the reality. The Old Testament is a type and a shadow. So he's saying, listen, this whole book was written about me. And the whole reason for it being is because I've come to do the will of God. Now, we understand that we have been engrafted into him and he's been engrafted into us. So that which pertains to Christ pertains to us as well. So when he's saying is, listen, my whole purpose for being is to do your will, Lord. And that's where we got to get to that place. When you get to that place, the will of God is not going to be a strain or struggle for you, as my wife says. You see that? So you got to understand that. He said, lo, I come to do thy will. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. That means our forefather. That was the first man, Adam. Adam failed. Where Adam failed, Christ succeeded. Did you get that? So he's not worried about the sacrifice of burnt offerings and things like that, that it was in the Old Testament. That was a picture of what was to come because Christ, the Lord Jesus himself, he is the official offering. And if you have him, you have a route to know what the will of God is. You see that? So the will of God is everlasting. It says in there, it talks about it, about the world passing away and the lust of it. But it says he that does the will of God will abide forever. So we understand these things. This, these are things that we've got to know. We must know these things in order to understand and comprehend what the will of God is. Now, we're going to go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. So we talked about being born to do the will of God. We talked about praying the will of God. And this is what we're going to deal with this right here. This is the part of praying the will of God. How are you going to know the will of God? It's a way that you pray. It's things that you superimpose over your own inclinations. And so in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Now, this is when Jesus is about to go to the cross. This is the most difficult test in his entire life. This is what he says in 42. He's saying, he said, Father... He's talking to the Lord. He said, if thou be willing, he said, listen, Lord, if you be willing, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. And the cup was the cup of his sacrifice. The cup was the cup that he had to drink, which was which meant death. It was the cup of the cross. And he did that for you. He did that for me. You see that he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Then verse 43 said, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Verse 44 says, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now that is extremely powerful. That shows you, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, how strong the will of humanity is versus the will of God. If you need a picture as to how strong it is, this gives you a perfect 
picture of it. It says because he was in agony. Do you see that? He was in agony because his human will was, listen, I don't want to do this. They're going to sacrifice me. I'm going to die the most brutal death that anyone has ever died. This is going to, and I'm doing it willingly. I'm doing it because God, it's your will. Now my human will don't want to do it, but I'm surrendering my human will in my humanity part to the God will. Do you see that? This is powerful right here. He said, not my will, but thine be done. So we can ask ourselves, how many times have we said, Father, not our will, but your will be done? You see that? We got to be real about that when we're asking that. And then verse 46 says, he says, when he rose up from prayer and was come to the disciples, he found them sleeping. And then he said, you know, uh, listen, y'all, y'all just y'all sleeping. Y'all just go ahead on it. Keep on. He said, why are you sleeping? You know, but you keep on sleeping. You know, he said, listen, in 48, he said, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray. Let you enter into temptation. So we understand that the will of God comes through the struggle of the human will and his will. And there's a battle that takes place. And so you got to ask yourself, where is the battle taking place in you where you can't see what the will of God is because you're fighting yourself? You see that? And see, that's the whole thing. We got to get down to where is it applicable unto our life. So the will of God, once again, comes in that way. And then there's a third one. The will of God is before family. Did you hear that? I pray all of you hear that. That's on this broadcast tonight. You must understand that. The will of God is before family. And we're going to give you a quick picture of that in Mark chapter 3. Let's turn there. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. This is going to give you a real good picture of that. And we're starting, we're in verse 31, but we're going to go up a little bit further. Are you turning your page? Can you hear my pages flipping in my Bible? I know you can. So we are in Mark chapter 3, and we're going to go up a little bit further. What do we say? You got to get the proper context before you can get the proper conclusion. So in this particular stanza, in this particular spot, we are saying the will of God before family. Now you hear a lot of people saying, oh, you put your family above everything, your family first. No, 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 no. It's not. It's the will of God first. God must be first. And then the family will come after that. But God must be first. So in Mark chapter three, he's talking about this. Now we're in verse 31, but we're going to go up because he's doing an identification here. So he's talking about a strong man and he's talking about how you bind the strong man. So we're going to go ahead and go in 31. That's what he was talking about before. So he says, there came then his brethren and his mother and standing without, they sent unto him calling him. So you got your brothers and you got your mama and they calling to him. They want to know. They, they coming for him. He says, and then the multitude sat around him. There's a lot of people. They were sitting around him and they said to him, they said, listen, behold, he said, your mother and your brethren without, they seeking for you. They're looking for you. But look at this. This is an astonishing statement that the Lord said. He looked around about on them, which said about him and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. Then the first, the next verse, he said, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. Do you see that? Now that's extremely powerful. So he's telling you and me, family and friends, that the will of God comes first and whoever is doing the will of God, then they in fact are a part of my family. You see that? This is where you got to get to a place to where natural affection does not overtake the spiritual reality. Your natural affection may be for father and mother. Now, we talked about that, honoring father and mother, we, and that's wonderful. We must do that. But in order to really know the will of God, you've got to know that his will supersedes everything in your life. Do you see that? His will supersedes everything in your life. 
And you've got to come to that conclusion to where no matter what it costs, no matter what it takes, that you're going to do the will of God as he has propositioned you, as he has purposed you, as he has called you in your life. And so we're going to deal with this a bit more. We got an incredible uh, backdrop story of this that we'll take up next week. Uh, it'll be talking about the will of God as well. And we're going to talk about a, diff a scenario where you'll see the powerful impact that a person has when they're struggling with their own will as opposed to what the will of God is and what they choose. And we're going to pick that up next week. So until then, I want you to marinate on what we talked about tonight. Go back over these scriptures, pray these scriptures out, read them, study them, get an understanding yourself of what God is speaking to you about knowing his will. I can guarantee you one thing. If you are seeking to know the will of God, he will reveal it unto you. So thank you for joining us tonight on The Defender. Once again, my name is James Fox. And we're coming to you from James Fox Ministries. We're coming to you from the Resilient Christian Radio Network and our broadcast called The Defender. We are on every Sunday at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Listen, if this has been a blessing to you, invite other people to come on the broadcast. If you've been listening to our show and you've been following us, invite other people to come on, spread the word, send the link out. You may say, how can I do that? Well, we have all of our broadcasts on anchor.fm forward slash the hyphen defender. And we got numerous broadcasts on there. You can click on them, listen to them, and you can share them with other people. Some of these uh, messages that God has given us, these different constructs that God has given us will be beneficial to people that you may know in your life. So take the time out. It's only a click of the button and share it. And then as well, you can become a partner with us and consider sowing into James Fox Ministries on The Defender if we're being a blessing unto you. You can go to that same page and get that information. So once again, we, got, we say God bless you. We thank you for joining us on our broadcast. We will see you again next week where we pick up talking about knowing the will of God, part two, next week. Have a great evening. Enjoy your week. Bless you all. The Defender is an online radio broadcast geared toward teaching the Word of God. Our aim is to present the scriptures of the Bible in an informative, systematic process that exalts the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We strive for the inner and accurate interpretation of the scriptures by revelation from the Holy Spirit. We are established to give His counsel as pertains to what He has revealed in His Word. Tune in next time for The Defender. The Defender is copyrighted by James Fox Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.